What is going on everybody? Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to uh, another episode of Not Rocket Science, the podcast that talks about the intersectional relationship between business, technology, and culture. How are you guys doing? How are you guys doing on this Sunday? Well, I guess Monday or Tuesday in fall. I'm recording this on a Sunday. It's actually kind of warm today. Kind of warm for October here in New York. Um, but kind of muggy, kind of wet. But I'll take it. I'll take that 70s weather as long as I can get it. So whatever. Down for it. Hope you guys are doing well. Um, today, I'm going to keep these thought of the day type shows moving and do kind of like a, uh, I don't want to say business case study, because that sounds boring as hell, but I'm going to use a real-life example um, of a company. I'm going to put it on blast. I still love them. But a company, and use them as an example to kind of show how not listening to the market, and by the market I mean the, the users or the customers you're trying to get your products to, or services, um, when not listening to them, ultimately can backfire on you. And that sounds pretty commonsensical in theory, but in reality, there's generally very specific strategic reasons why this type of thing can happen. Companies don't listen to potential users or customers just because they're evil or don't want to. There's um, certain complications involved that can sometimes be, in retrospect, short-sighted, maybe not, but they're real-life um, you know, strategic decisions that are made, which is why this thing can happen. And if I used a real example of a company to kind of dig into this, I think it would kind of shed some light from a, from a practical standpoint on, on um, why this type of thing can occur. So let's get into it. Um, as I've mentioned several times on this show, I've been playing music my whole life. I've been playing guitar. I've done production. I've kind of... Music's kind of been a part of my life, like making it for almost 20 years now. But uh, I've always kind of used one software when it comes to recording. Well, that's not true. When I was really, like in high school, I used Pro Tools, Mbox, old school. But besides that... I kind of use one form of software as my main uh, production tool since I've gotten into this a long time ago. So that's probably 12, 13 years ago at this point. So, and the software is called Reason, and it is what I use to make everything in this podcast. I don't record with it only because I don't have it on my laptop. Um, I have it on my iMac 
and I record in a different room than where all my music equipment is. So I use Audacity to record as I'm doing right now. But post-production, all the beats I make, all the music that's ever been on this podcast for like ads or the, the song that comes in and out at the beginning, all that stuff was made in Reason. Um, pretty much all my beats these days still are in Reason. I use Reason all the time, every other day maybe. And I've done so for 12, 13 years now, as I said. And uh, they have a very interesting history as a company because, like, I remember when I started using it, and this is probably back in 2006-ish, 2006-2007. That was kind of when I first started. Um, There was no real dominant tool to make hip-hop music, electronic music, anything like that. There were a few players in the game, and then there were still hardware tools, so you make beats sometimes on, like, your Akai MPC, for example, um, or on keyboards with recordings and recorders and sequencers built in, um, or you just use those tools and you had a studio set up and you recorded, used your hardware and your software in your in your DAW digital audio workstation um and you use pro tools maybe for that maybe logic maybe reason maybe ableton maybe cubase or maybe something else um but there was no real dominant i mean pro tools was the dominant tool back in like 2005 but that was to like record you know major albums if you're recording a mariah carey album you're going to use pro tools but but or maybe maybe logic but um there wasn't, from when it comes to bedroom producers, you know, people making beats, things like that, there wasn't one dominant tool. There were a lot of tools and you can at, you know, at your disposal and you pick what fits you. Um, honestly, for me, I got into it and picked Reason because a friend of mine messed with it and really liked it and thought it was cool and was talking about it. I didn't know any of these tools at the time. I didn't really know much about them. Um, but I heard about Reason from a friend, so I was like, all right, cool, I'll try Reason. So I got Reason. I got it as a gift, like Christmas or something. But, you know, I messed around with it. It was crazy. There's all these sounds, right, like built right in. It, you know, it was mind-blowing. But point for me is that at the time, there was no dominant player in this bedroom producer space that is now massive it's so massive that one of the biggest synth tools is called massive and there's also a a synthesizer named probably any other adjective you can use um that's how big this industry is right now so now it's a very different landscape than it was back then and reason while everyone knows what reason is when it comes to the tools of today reason is not the hottest in the game let's just put it that way they are not what you know the the new generation these 15 year olds making beats in their bedrooms after doing their homework a lot of them are not you know using reason as their default beat maker um they're just not and there's a lot of reasons why and it has to do with the customer and what reason was doing internally so I'll break it down first, and then I'm going to get into the whys um, of why 
they didn't listen to the market like I talked to you about in the beginning. And then I'll talk a little bit about where they are now. So let me give you some background. I did not remember this off the top of my head at all, but I do know how to use Wikipedia. So I got this sucker up. So Reason is a product from the company um, called Propellerhead Software, actually formerly known as Propellerhead Software. They've now called Reason Studios. That happened about mm, two to three weeks ago. But yes, they rebranded their entire company name two to three weeks ago. But Propellerhead, which is what I always refer to it as, it's a company started in 1994 in Stockholm, Sweden. I don't know why I did that. That's not a Swedish accent. But anyway, um, they started with a product called Recycle. Recycle is basically a sample loop editor that lets you change into the tempo of a loop without affecting the pitch. Kind of common stuff this day and age, but back in 1994, that's kind of cool to be able to do in a computer. Company started by Ernst Nathorst Bose, Marcus Zetterquist, and Peter Jubel, who still hold prominent positions within the company now. Um, I probably butchered those names terribly, but felt like it had to be said. And then in 1997, Propellerhead released Rebirth, which was basically a virtual on-your-computer step-based sequencer that was programmable and emulated classic instruments like the TB303 baseline synthesizer, the TR808, and the TR909 drum machines, all made by Roland. And since they were obvious jacks from Roland's hardware, Roland actually reached out to them and were like, hey... Can you put our logo somewhere since you're clearly ripping off our tools? I get it. That's software. That's fine. But like on a splash screen or something, just show our logo. So they did that and they got um, unintentional marketing from it because it made them look more legitimate with their logo next to a Roland logo. And Roland, you know, is an institution in the music hardware game. So that was a good look for them. Um after that, they created in 98 Rewire. Rewire was basically software that let people who used other tools connect to Reason. Um, so you can use Reason in um, originally for Cubase. Cubase is another digital audio workstation, and it allowed you to, at first, uh, hook in all of your Propellerhead software into Cubase, and then eventually pretty much any third party. Um, rewire was a big feature when I started getting into it as well. Um, still is maybe, I'm not really sure. I don't use it much personally, but then they created reason in 2000 and reason is when things really started popping off for propeller head. Reason was an entire studio emulation complete with virtual cables and representations of sub subtractive synthesizers, samplers, drum machines, along with Rex file loop players. Rex file is Propellerhead's proprietary file format. Um, and it made basically, it was an all-in-one suite for creating electronic music, basically. Let you record electronic music all in one place. That was the original concept of Reason. And they kept building that from 2000 
um, and iterating and adding in new features, new synthesizers, things like that. It was considered at the time like very groundbreaking, awesome software, particularly if you're into electronic music. Electronic music, at least in the States, um, in the early 2000s was very different than electronic music in the States in the 2010s. Uh, dubstep did not really blow it up yet um, into the mainstream, per se. It was still kind of like you had like Fatboy Slim and people like that kind of having hit songs. But EDM culture was not quite there yet um, compared to what it would be eventually. But at the time... If you were into that stuff, and in Europe, it's always been much bigger. Um, Reason was an, considered an awesome product, and it was very—it was a very big player in that electronic music production scene at the time. And then in 2009, Propellerhead announced a new product called Record. Record was basically another step up when it comes to uh, in, in a virtual recording studio. It allowed you to record your instruments into reasons environment or propeller heads environment i should say for the first time so on top of all the synthesizers and things like that you then can also play your guitar you know play a hardware piano that's mic'd up drums whatever it was like an all-in-one um, recording studio with a virtual knee i think it was a neve mixing console so it basically allowed you to record anything you wanted and it was a big deal because Reason users were asking for this kind of functionality for a long time, and they finally delivered on it. And then eventually, they realized it was kind of stupid to have Reason and Record as two separate products, so they eventually combined them, so everything was in one in the new version of Reason, where you could also record live instruments, and along with playing um, with their soft synths and soft instruments that you got with Reason. So all that sounds fine and good, but one little thing is missing from all this. Keep in mind, the timeline 2009 is when Record got launched for the first time, and then they combined Record and Reason in 2011. So within two years, they realized Record did not work as a standalone product. And they combined them as they should have. But here's the big thing. I mentioned earlier that Reason has Rex files. It's their proprietary format for audio. Um, but the other thing is Reason's soft synthesizers are all made in-house by Reason. So, if you want to use Reason forever, you had to use the Thor synthesizer or the subtractor synth that Reason comes with, the samplers that Reason comes with. Point being is Reason is a real-deal skeuomorphic virtual studio. If you hit the tab key on your computer, you see all your instruments, and then you see them in an animation flip to the back, and then there's all these cords and cables, and it's really cool. What Reason allowed you to do is move these cables around and patch your own synths and your own sounds similar to hardware synthesis. I don't know if you've ever seen those big synthesizers with all of these cables everywhere and there's some weird, one weird like mad scientist dude or girl connecting you know, all these weird wires and you have no idea what they're doing and they look like rocket scientists. Well, that's what Reason was trying to emulate because it gave you, if you understand modular synthesis on any level 
a lot of freedom to be creative in uh, sound design. And that was a very unique feature that got reason um, into the game originally as a a differentiator in the space. You know, they were doing something unique, something different, something forward thinking, and they kind of clung on to that. So on one hand, it was really cool because you're allowing these sound designers to have a lot of flexibility and do things similar to what you can do with real hardware. Um, but on the other hand, every tool you use in Reason was built by Propellerhead. And that's not the case with other competitors. Other competitors rely on this technology called VST, Virtual Studio Technology, that is an audio plugin software interface that is kind of the standard when it comes to like integrating software synthesizers and effects in various digital audio workstations. VSTs got super popular, um, so third-party companies could just make software instruments, and then you can use them in the digital audio workstation of your choice, whether it be Cubase, whether it be Ableton, whether it be Pro Tools, Logic, etc. And um, those got very, very popular in the mid-2000s into the 2010s, because of the quality you have more players in the game you have companies that only work on the virtual instrument side of the market and don't really focus on the recording um studio oh virtual recording studio side of it so what wound up happening is more and more startups are starting to produce these awesome 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 soft synthesizers like massive which i mentioned earlier um venom's another one um there's so many at this point i can't i'm not even gonna list them but the problem was you couldn't use them with reason because reason only allowed stuff that they made the only instruments you could use are things that reason made and this pissed off a lot of people um starting as early as when i got into it like 2006 7 you'd see on message boards like when can reason allow vsts And that was the complaint that you had from users regarding Reason for the next decade. Everyone's like, Reason's cool, but we need VST support. We need VST support. And Reason refused to give them VST support. What they did eventually was in 2012, I believe, they created rack extensions, which allowed companies to basically build an equivalent of a VST for Reason. So basically the same thing, but in a different file format. So it would hook into all of Reason's like backend that allows you to patch your own sounds and flip your rack and show on the interface the cables in the back and all that stuff. So basically what they're saying is, hey, if you third-party companies want to make an instrument to have it work with Reason, feel free. It just has to be in this format, not VST. And that's fine because Q, uh, Steinberg, which is the company behind Cubase, created VST. VST is not like an open source thing originally. It was created by a software company, but it became in those times the standard. So it was already the standard when Reason introduced this option. You know what I mean? So they're playing catch up. It was this was a race for market share, a race for creating the standards in the industry, and Reason was way behind in the race. And then they try to do this to catch up. And some companies obliged and created rack extensions, but the whole rack extension concept did not really take off. Um, 
It just didn't because people were, were like, why do this when I could just use a VST? And companies were like, well, I got to make this special thing just for you. Nah, I don't care if you guys fail. You know what I mean? So it became kind of sticky. And Reason just kept clinging on to this concept that people cared so much about the ability to flip the rack over, mess with the control voltage, and make their own sounds that they refused forever to allow VST support. Now, to be fair, I don't know if there was a technical issue with this. I don't know if they couldn't, like, literally just allow it based on how their infrastructure and uh, software architecture is set up. I don't know. I don't know. But... The point is, is at the end of the day, the market doesn't really care. No one really cares what your tech constraints are. They just want the thing the way they want it and the way that your competitors are doing it. And eventually, what came from all of this is Reason caving in in 2017, 2017, two years ago, and allowed, made this announcement saying now that in this next version of Reason, we are allowing VST support. So this desire for VST support, which started in the mid-2000s, was not actually fulfilled until 2017. They went, I'll be nice and say they went 11 years or so without, because I'm sure that was something people wanted even before I started, but... I started around 2006, so 2017, that's 11 years before they actually fulfill that desire. And let's say, forget the early days, let's say since dubstep blew up and you know EDM production turned into this much more popular thing worldwide, I mean, you could probably earmark that as like 2010-ish, so that's still seven years seven years and when it comes to the music production industry it's kind of like the music industry itself music is very disposable this day and age um no more albums just singles you know so it's a very fast moving industry so seven years is a lifetime and uh yeah as it transpired and as dubstep and progressive house and big room house got bigger, more popular, and learning how to produce it got more popular. Um, you know, Reason kind of fell by the wayside, and Ableton kind of became the standard because Ableton's entire uh, setup is built around making high-quality electronic music easily, and they allow third-party support. They have really advanced sampling engines, so like what you can do sampling-wise is... A little more comprehensive um they didn't go the skeuomorphic route in their user interface design everything's flat so it kind of is um one-to-one with like what happened with iphone and ios 7 they went with the flat design ableton's kind of cut from that cloth so ableton became super popular when it comes to the dj scene like the dj producer edm scene so you'd see all these producers using ableton which made all the bedroom producers use ableton and ableton kind of took over the space when i started ableton was not a big deal at all and during the rise of dubstep they were able to like kind of ride that wave and they became kind of the standard and they allowed vst support 
I question whether Ableton would be as big if Reason back in like 2007 or something introduced VST support. I think uh, the history of that industry would play out very differently. But the point of this, oh, and that, and so Reason eventually allowed VST support in 2017, and now three weeks ago they now announced that Reason is now going to be a VST essentially itself. They are going to be used as a tool in other DAWs, digital audio workstations. So you can bring all of Reason into your Ableton session, your Logic session, your Pro Tools session, whatever. And this is a move I think they had to make. I don't think they wanted to make that. I'm just speculating here. But um, I feel like they had to make it to kind of reintroduce themselves to the, to the market because I don't think enough people are using what they offer because forever reason had really good ratings when it comes to music production magazines they, you know they, their software was award-winning but the problem is not enough people used it and i think the problem that they have now is they just don't have enough users so packaging it almost as a tool rather than thus the workstation is a way to potentially just get more users get those ableton users um using their software again and it's kind of, honestly, like it's a smart thing to do now. I get it, but it's also kind of sad compared to where they were around 2007. They were one of the big dogs at that time. And now they're not. And it's because they just were stubborn for whatever reason. I don't want to know, you know, I'm, I don't want to say what the reason is because I have no idea. No pun intended. But uh, they refused to allow VST support, which people were dying for for years and now they are basically what they weren't allowing so that is the real world example of when companies don't listen to their potential customers they had this thing that you know differentiated them early that they clung on to because it was the thing that separated them from everyone else but when it became apparent that no one really cared about it at scale because not everybody are modular synthesis nerds and due to the popularity of EDM you would now had like you know the jocks playing sports also producing dance music at home in their spare time uh the VST support was just a must because there's lots of people that love making electronic music that don't really care about hardcore modular sound design and they missed the boat with that entire market of users and this is where they are so that is why sometimes companies don't listen to their users but at the end of the day they're going to get burned you're going to get burned you're going to get burned because nobody cares about your feelings and the things that you think are special and to me, that's like the lesson of the day that I take away from this. As an outsider of this whole thing, I'm not tied into Propellerhead. I did know one guy that created sounds for them at one point, but that's about it. Um, a lot of this is speculation on my part, but their actions are definitely not speculation. This is literally what happened. And to me, you know, as a user of their software, it's kind of frustrating because I don't even like telling people what tools I use. It used to be cool to say, like, oh, yeah, I use Reason. Oh, you use Reason? Cool. I use Cubase or I use Logic, whatever. Now it's like there's this, like, stigma attached to Reason. And if you're not using, like, Ableton, Fruity Loops, or I guess now it's FL Studio um, or Logic, it's kind of like, 
oh, you're using that thing? Um, so for me, it's kind of sad, but I wanted to kind of paint this picture just to give you guys a real example of when companies don't do this thing that all these, you know, business Twitter accounts and all these product people on Twitter and uh, Instagram and, you know, and articles these days talk about when it's like, go to listen to customers. It's true. But, uh, you know, just in theory, it doesn't really give context on why people don't listen to customers. It makes companies sound like complete idiots, which they're not. But sometimes the big picture is missed and this is an example of that, and I just want to shed some light on that. So that is the show today, the case of why reason is now the thing they never allowed. Um, hope you guys found this interesting, even if you're not really into like music production or electronic music or anything like that. This is more just like a business case study per se, just to kind of shed some light on this. So, if you have any questions, any comments, hit us up as usual. I've got to do the plugs at the end at notrocketscienceshow at gmail or on Twitter or Instagram at nrs underscore show. Um, we would love to get back to you. And if you want to, please leave a review on the App Store. That is all. I am Sean. Thank you guys so much for listening. Love y'all. And until next time, peace.